Isaiah 9, 6 has been the theme the Holy Spirit has given me personally uh, as a child of God. And that's the theme he wants reiterated, and we've been dealing with it in depth. And we want to go a little deeper into it today. We don't want to scratch the surface. We want to dig deep. That's how you lay foundations in God is by digging deep. Amen. It's not just building your foundation on a rock. It's digging deep and laying your foundation on a rock. And if you don't dig deep, you won't have, you won't find rock for a foundation. You'll still be uh, scratching the surface. It'll still be built on sand. And that's why there are people that uh, even today with years in church have not been taken deep enough into the Word of God to lay a foundation on the rock, and that's why they're so easily shaken. The Bible said in this time of spiritual shaking, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And I have been not shaken in my faith, but I have been shaken by seeing so many people that I thought were grounded on the rock. Falling away, slipping away, compromising. It's a heart-rending, heartbreaking thing to watch. We're in the time of the great falling away. And what has hit me so hard is people that I thought would never be part of that group that have become part of that group. A revival and repentance can reclaim them, but only a revival and repentance can reclaim them them and in some people's life it's going to take some kind of tragedy some kind of event to bring them back to God because right now they're self-confident and they're self-sufficient and they are operating in the self-confidence of the flesh and they're not ready for the giant when he comes for they're no longer slaying the lions or the bears anymore God is married to the backslider. And he said, if you will return to me, I will return to you. But the prodigal couldn't be saved without coming home. He had to come home to have restoration. And he had to repent in order to go home. But when he got home, he found out that he could be completely restored. Hallelujah. So that's a whole other thing. Isaiah 9 and verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And I want to just talk about that for a little while before we go any further. I'm going to make some statements that I wrote down while, while my wife was getting all gussied up this morning. That's what, well, not completely gussied up, but... You know, she got ready for church. And she looks very nice. And you look very nice today. Amen. Clothing-wise. And you look like nice people, too. Even if you didn't, you know, have nice clothes on or just clothes on. Anyway, we won't even continue that train of thought. Everybody say unto us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Last week we talked about what it means to have a son given. 
And I want to talk about that a little bit deeper. Church, we've got to get deeper. So much of the Bible has become kind of cliched little sayings without an understanding of what it really means. And, and people who have been in church and, and exhorted others that now are being shaken. And there's a big danger of becoming part of the falling away. Bible said of the end times, the intensity of all of this is going to get so strong. If it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. The power of deception in our day, particularly not just Satan, but self-deception. When Jesus told the church at Laodicea, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. He was talking about self-deception. This is something that Satan contributes to, but we do it. We're the ones that allow it. We're the ones that permit it. It's an incredible that it would, it would be said in, in that message to the church of Laodicea. Don't put that in the category of just sinners out in the world and God knocking on their heart's door, though He does. But it didn't say to the sinful world, to the lost or to the undone. It begins with and to the church of Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3. Behold, I stand at the door. Amazing that the door isn't already open. And it wasn't that they didn't embrace Christ and teach Christ and preach Christ. It wasn't Jesus the healer that the door was shut to. It wasn't Jesus the Savior that the door was shut to. It wasn't Jesus the deliverer or Jesus the provider. They would welcome Him in all of those messages that He would bring to them. But when his message became repent, they shut the door. And there are Christians today talking about no place in the manger for him, but there's going to be a place in my heart until he calls the church to repentance. When he calls to the world repentance, we applaud and say they need to get right with you. But when he calls the church to repentance, and you know what's holding back revival? It isn't the sinfulness of man or the power of Satan. Well, if it isn't the sinfulness of man and the power of Satan, what's holding back revival? The Bible said where sin doth abound, his grace doth much more abound. He said, I pour it out greater to those who need it that much. It is not Satan, for behold, I give you power over how much of the power of the devil. How much has he delegated? All the power. He said, all, say it with me, all. Jesus said, all power is given me in heaven and earth. All of it. Not some of it. Not most of it. Not 99% of it. But all of it. And since he has it, he has it to give and he delegates it to his people. And he says, Behold, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom of God. I give you power over all of the power of the devil. In fact, he said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. 
Well, how did the Father send him? It's in the book of Acts. It said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Can you say amen? That's how God sent him. And he said, even as he sent me, so send I you. But to look at the church today in America in particular, you wouldn't know that we had that kind of authority and that kind of power. We are not representative of that kind of authority or that kind of power. We have had to fill the gap for the presence and power of God with programs and, and, uh, and entertainment. And devils are not trembling when Christians assemble together, and they should. Can you say amen? The devil should be extremely on the defensive when we come together because we have delegated authority and we have delegated power. Well, let's talk about this Jesus that came to lay in a manger. And let me make some statements today while my wife was... By the way, I got gussied up too. Amen? But I had to do it in a hurry. That's why I checked my socks to see that they match. Last week, my wife wore two pair of nice black shoes. And they were two different pair of nice black shoes. You wouldn't know it till you look close, but on the way home, she held her feet out and said, you know, these, this shoe and that shoe is two different shoes. I said, and nobody noticed? Yeah, that should be the first thing we check out when you come to church is to make sure your socks and shoes match. lady came home from church she's quizzing her husband to see if he paid attention she said did you see sister hoopendicker's hair today did you see her hair today last week it was bluish gray today it is purple did you see her hair today he said no i i i i didn't notice i was i was trying to listen to the sermon she said listen listen did you see the shoes that Sister Bumpendecker had on? Did you see those shoes? Those heels were so high. She's a tall woman anyway. What is she thinking? Did you see that dress that Sister so-and-so had? Did you see that tie the preacher was wearing this morning? And he, she went on and on for 30 minutes. And after a while, he said, Honey, I'm sorry, I didn't see any of that. She, will, she said, Well, a lot of good it does you to go to church. Amen. Some people don't see what God wants them to see. In the book of Revelation, they didn't see themselves. Satan has such an advantage over people that don't have a, an honest, holy introspect. So Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door to the church, to the church of Laodicea, and I use that to any sinner outside the church that doesn't know Christ. He's knocking. He's calling. And it's an appropriate scripture to know how he deals so personally with us to call us to salvation. 
But when he has to do that to the church, it shows you just how far the church can drift from where she ought to be. And that's why judgment doesn't begin in the world that is blind and bound. Where does judgment start? Does it start out in the world, in the gambling casinos? Does it start in the, in the, in the, in the, the houses of prostitution? Does it start in, in the, the bars? Does it start in the child trafficking system? No, it starts where the light has shined and we should be walking in it. We who have the light is where judgment starts. Judgment begins at the house of God. And Jesus is standing at a church that is in danger of judgment while claiming blessings because of their material wealth. And that church exists in America today. That, that message is being embraced in America today. The material taking precedence over the spiritual and the eternal. And believe me, God wants to bless you materially. There is a truth in that. We don't throw that away. But He never wants this material world to become more important to you than the kingdom of God. Because this world is passing. It's transient. Amen. And the world passes away. Amen. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. Amen. For they are temporal. It means transit. It means they are passing away. They are subject to change. Can you say amen? Everything's going to rust. Everything's going to age. Nothing in this world is going to continue eternally. But everything in the kingdom is eternal. And that's why he said, seek the kingdom of God first. And his righteousness. And then you've got a balance there. Everything you need in this world, will, the Father will take care of. He didn't say he'd give you everything you want. But he said give you everything you need. And if you begin to look what he's given you, you'll find out you may not need what you think you needed more than anything else. There are people putting the kingdoms of this world right here today before the kingdom of God. The falling away is here. It's the hardest time to be a pastor that there could possibly be. Because if you care about people and you watch people falling away, it breaks your heart. That's why Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem. That's why Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. That's why Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Because he saw what was coming. They didn't. There shall not be one stone left here upon another. That temple that they put such stock in was going to be torn down. They were going to be crucified on crosses just like he was when Rome invaded and took over. Amen. And Jesus saw it coming. Oh, thou that stone the prophets and kill them that are sent unto you. How many times would I have taken you under my wing? As a mother hen does her chicks. That is for safety. Amen. They run for safety. Amen. To the mother hen who closes that. How many times would I have done it? You had an opportunity. And I was willing to save you from what is coming. But you kill the prophet. And why did they kill the prophets and stone them that were sent? It's because of the message. 
They killed the messenger because of the message. And Paul was feeling it in the first generation of Christians. He said, am I your enemy for telling you the truth? You'd be amazed how many people get angry when it hits them. When it hits you, it hits me. Listen, if I've got a tumor and it's going to kill me if it's not dealt with, if it's not operated on and removed, it's going to spread and kill me. I do not want the doctor to lie to me. Spare my feelings. I want him to tell me the truth. Give me the option to get something done about that. But tell me the truth. Don't tell me to take two aspirins and call him in the morning when something is that critical. Because I'm getting ready to go on a cruise and he feels for me. Don't want to give me any bad news so I can enjoy my cruise. Honey, tell me the truth so that I can deal with it. I don't believe you would be here if you didn't honestly believe that God would change my message and I would preach it. Whether people came back or whether they gave or whether they embraced me or applauded me or liked me. Have you found out that that's not what I'm all about? Amen. Some people uh, wanted, they, actually I preached at a church one time and the deacon told me, he said, the people said, do you think he would become our pastor? And I told him, I said, you know, they don't know what they're asking. Because I know what they're used to. I know what he has, is giving them. Amen. Paul said, I had to do that for a while, but I couldn't keep doing it. Nobody ever grew up. He said, when you should be out teaching others, you still have need that someone teach you what is the first principles of the oracle of God. I couldn't give you meat because you couldn't bear it. You couldn't handle it. And how many know if you don't grab, how many know you've got to grow some spiritual teeth? That little baby going to be biting people before long. That little baby going to grow teeth. And that little baby, when it grows teeth, is going to graduate from milk to strained vegetables. And then from strained vegetables up the ladder. So that baby going to be wanting a pork chop. Amen. That baby going to be wanting a Happy Meal with a hamburger in it. Paul said, if you stay, listen, this is all about that digging deep. And laying your foundation on a rock. You don't just lay it on a rock. You dig deep. You have to go deeper in the Word of God to do that. You have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit take you deeper. We can't just preach on the surface things. We've got to go deep. The axe is never laid to the limbs. The axe is laid to the root. Hallelujah. And when we get to the root of the problem, it's iniquity in us. It's pride in us. It's the blindness that pride brings. When you have need to be teaching others, you still have need that someone teach you what be the first principles of the oracles of God. Paul said, I couldn't feed you with meat. I fed you with milk. And he said, I speak this to your shame. If you've got a 30-year-old son or daughter who is sucking on a bottle... It's nothing to be proud of. I don't care if they're standing in a cap and ground, ground, if they're standing in a cap and gown, 
graduating summa cum laude from some prestigious college or university. If they're standing in that cap and gown, sucking on a bottle, I think you're going to slink down in your chair. Can you say man? Because at some point, that bottle had to go. I remember when my son, my, my second son, my, no, Alan. Alan was, he loved that bottle. Oh, he loved his bottle. I mean, he wouldn't, you know, pacifier wouldn't do it. He had to have the bottle that he could hold in his hands. He, pacifier didn't pacify him. He wanted the bottle. He wanted something in it. He drank his water out of the bottle. He drank apple juice out of the bottle. He drank milk out of the bottle. This is way past formula. He wanted to drink Coca-Cola out of the bottle. Yes, it's crazy. And one day, he was in the back seat wanting his bottle. It was empty. Or was it empty? He was throwing a fit for his bottle. And I was driving. And we didn't have an air conditioner that worked. We had a car with an air conditioner. You know what the air conditioner was? Roll the windows down. Amen. And drive fast. <laughs> Amen. So I remember I just couldn't take it anymore because everything was about the bottle. He's throwing a fit for his bottle. Amen. And because it, it was empty. And it's laying there beside him. And I reached all the way back and grabbed that bottle and threw it out the window. He was too shocked to cry. He was too shocked. It shocked him. It just shocked him. It's gone, Daddy. I can't believe you threw my bottle out the window. Well, it was time to get rid of the bottle. That's why they didn't know what they were asking. Because the first thing I would have done had I went to that church to pastor was throw the bottle out the window. Amen. Because if people don't grow up, they're going to stay children. And if they're going to stay children, it would kill me. Because they'd never look to God. They would never take responsibility for their circumstance. They would blame me. They'd blame you. They'd blame the devil. I hate to hear anybody blame the devil for anything. Coming from someone who has power over him. But we need more than power over Him. We need power over self. And the only way to have power over self is to crucify the flesh. And the lust thereof. So when God knocks on the door of the church of Laodicea, He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And by the way, He speaks to them. He calls to them. If any man, A lot of people are concentrated on the knock. And not on the voice. There's more than a knock on the door. See, if you come to my door and I don't want to see you. And I don't want to let you in. Because I know you want something. That I don't want to give you. And you come to the door and you knock. I can be very still. I can grab the dog and give him a chewy. So he don't bark. I can quickly turn the TV off. I can sit and not make a sound. So probably, you'll go away. You don't know that I'm home. But if you heard the TV, and heard me laughing at the comedy, and heard my dog barking when you got out of the car, 
and you see both my vehicles are in the driveway. And you saw the door that was a little bit open shut just before you walked up to it. You know that I am home. So you're not going to just knock and leave because you know I'm home. I'm going to tell you something. You may have a sign out to lunch, but God knows you're home. Can you say, man? He knocks on the door and he said, if any man... Here, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door. You've got to listen. Oh, we're going somewhere. I see we're going somewhere with this today. Pastor! Pastor Venable! You see, there's a lot more going on now because the jig is up. I know that you know I'm in there. (laughs) Amen. I know that you know I'm in there. I can't hide anymore. i got to either reject you, just out and out refuse to open the door to somebody who knows I'm in there, or I've got to open the door and let you come in. Amen. But I can't hide and not deal with that issue. Because you know, and I know, Amen. That you want access. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. I want, I will not bust the door down. I will not force my way in, but I will knock and I will call. Do you remember when he knocked on the door of your heart and called you by name? Hallelujah. Praise God. How many opened the door to him? He came in when you did that, but he came in to have intimacy and fellowship with you. He's not coming to ask you for anything but to sit down with Him and have an intimate relationship with Him. And here's a church that is only material. The only wealth they can see is the wealth of the world. They're falling for the lie that the devil tried to sell to Jesus in the wilderness. If you will worship me, I can give you, look, and he showed him all the kingdoms of this world in all of their grandeur and glory. He said, all of this can be yours if you'll worship me. Let me tell you something about materialism. Materialism is, a, it is not distinctly the worship of the devil, but it's worship of that that the devil puts before us above God and above the kingdom of God. And it's just to distract us from the true riches and cause us to love the world and its kingdoms. If I had that house, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't because the person who lives in it isn't happy if they don't have the peace and joy of Jesus. I stand in line at Publix and I'm looking at all those magazines and uh, -and so-and-so is is in rehab, sexual rehab, and so-and-so is in alcohol rehab, and so-and-so is divorcing, and so-and-so is leaving, so-and-so, and, and, and so-and-so is... It's just a big mess. And I get up to check out, and I tell the checkout lady, I said, I am so glad that I am not rich and famous. And I point at those magazines and say, Look what a mess they are all in. I love my life. Oh, at the post, I, 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 
I love it. I sit down to make a radio broadcast, and, and the anointing is different for the radio broadcast. If you ever listen, you can hear a different anointing. There's a teaching anointing, but it is an anointing. I sit down to make a radio broadcast, and, and I, I do it usually on Tuesday or Wednesday. This time it was on a Wednesday. I sat down. I prayed. I sought the Lord. I read the Scriptures, and I, I, I prayed the prayer that I, I pray before I preach here and before I teach there. Lord, let me speak today as an oracle of God. Jesus, let me magnify you and glorify you today. Let, let your word find a target somewhere in someone. Lord, as I yield myself to you, sweet Holy Spirit, as I yield myself to you, my faculties to you, I make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Speak to me that you might speak through me. And when that occurs, I can tell when it kicks in. <laughs> There's a drink out there, an energy drink called Kickstarter. I don't know if you feel it. This guy here stays awake with some of those energy drinks when he's driving. He quit it. He stopped it. He read too many sides. While you're traveling, yeah, he doesn't do it in his everyday life. Anyway, he's not hooked on Kickstarter. Amen. But when he's traveling, he don't want to fall asleep. I, the anointing is like a Kickstarter to me. When it kicks in, I know it. And I don't know if you can detect when it kicks in, but it kicks in. I, it kicks in. It's like supercharged, turbocharger. We're getting into automobiles, something me and my brother can relate to here today. I'm sorry? Turbocharger's got a lag to it. Turbocharger's got a lag to it? Supercharger don't. I'm going for the supercharger. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ain't no lag to it. Praise God. I was supercharged to teach. And I went to the post office standing in that long holiday line where everybody is just, oh, Lord, don't they get any help in here? And I'm standing in that long line moving forward with my little envelope to mail to the radio station, still in the spirit of that anointing. The anointing is powerful stuff. You don't even realize it's still on you. Once it comes on you, there's a residue of it. After, after you're done what you're doing, there's a residue of that anointing. Remember the prophet that was under such an anointing? They took his bones out to bury, and they, or his body out to bury in one of these big clay jars until it became bones, and then they put the bones in a box, and then they buried the box. So they took him out to bury him. The Philistines came over the hill to kill the burial detail. <laughs> and they saw the Philistines. They looked at the closest jar to them, didn't even look if there was any bones in there or not. And they dumped this guy into that jar. But the bones of Elijah was in that jar. And when the dead man <laughs> hit the bones of Elijah, <laughs> he came alive and crawled out of the jar. And I got a feeling the Philistines turned around. <laughs> Amen. I tell you, if I had a sword, and st if I saw somebody come out of that jar alive that went in dead, <laughs> take some of the fight out of me. How about you? Amen. The anointing was still in his bones. Wow. So I was, I had, you know, I had taken a bath and I had put on some aftershave and, 
And you know, and I was ready for the day now. And so I walked out. I'm walking in this line, and there's a man in front of me. He's Latin background, and he turned around. He's 55, 50, 56 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. I would mid-50s. He turned around, and he looked at me, and he said, What is that fragrance? I said, I don't know. It's something my wife got me. He said, I'm not talking about that fragrance. I'm talking about Jesus. I said, oh, well, in that case, <laughs> let me get back in the spirit here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, I said, wow. And he said, I feel Jesus in you. I said, well, he's in there. There's no doubt about it. He said, and he hugged me. And I thought, wait a minute. This is this line where everyone's distracted and everyone's impatient. Everybody in the post office looking around. And here's a guy grabbing me and hugging me. And he said, I'm going to pray for you. I said, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I thought, Lord. This is incredible. Here we are trying. We got bumper stickers. We got, we got all kinds of paraphernalia to advertise Jesus. But the greatest advertisement for Jesus is his presence in your life and his presence in my life. Arise and shine. Thy light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Listen, you can't have the anointing of His presence without the glory that attends His presence. And that's why on the day of Pentecost, they were not just filled with power. Something showed up to show that something had come within them. Someone had come within them so holy that the glory of God Himself was manifesting through them, coming up through them, and on top of their heads were cloven tongues of fire. Not normal fire, but supernatural fire called the Shekinah in the Old Testament. It is the glory that attends the personal presence of God. That's why when God spoke in the first person uh, through the angel in the burning bush, that the bush was glowing because the presence of God was manifest. And immediately, because of that holy presence, God said to Moses, take off your shoes. You've got to do some act of reverence here. You can't be nonchalant. Amen. Take off your shoes for the ground that you're standing on has been sanctified by the presence that's come on that ground. To the degree, amen, that this ground is now. This ground where the ants are crawling. This ground where the, where the animals have been walking. This ground where the plants are growing. This ground has become as holy as any hall in heaven. Can you say, man, any hallowed place in heaven? Because God's presence sanctified that ground. When God came on a mountain to talk to Moses, the mountain shook. The mountain quaked. Amen. And it became instantly sanctified by the presence of God to such a degree that they, they put guards around the mountain. And even if an animal 
tried to ascend that mountain, it was to be killed immediately because it was trespassing on holy ground. But thank God there was a man standing on that holy ground, wasn't there? Communing with God. When he got through, he came down and his face was glowing. He had to put a veil over his face because the glory of God was being reflected by the face of the one who was beholding the glory. Hallelujah. 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 And that's why when the Holy Spirit came, God came to indwell human tabernacles, to live in a human vessel. And it sanctified us so holy, holier than you can wear your hair, holier than you can wear your clothes, holier than anything you can do in and of yourself. The blood of Christ has sanctified you. It don't come from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. Work out (laughs) your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for it. Let what you receive from Christ by gift manifest in your life. Hallelujah. 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 I don't wear a Speedo to the gym. Or anywhere else. Okay, you'll get over it. Get that image completely out of your mind. I myself do not want to see it. Amen. I want to dress appropriately. I wear sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And I'm, I didn't even wear a muscle shirt. And I had muscles back then. Got to hand it to me. I just, I just hung my arm out the window in the summertime with air conditioning. What's it? Oh, you had to cool off them guns. That's right. (laughs) No, I didn't. You know I didn't. Amen. When I first got into going to the gym to lose weight and take care of my body, uh, this was years ago that I need to do it some more now. Preemptive for Christmas. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because I intend to be a full gospel preacher by the end of Christmas Day. It's okay, I even heard my man behind the bush laughing over here. (laughs) Hallelujah. That essence of God, it's upon you and me. And that's why the devil wants us to put our light under a bushel. Because our light is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's what the devil wants to hide from them. He wants to hide it from them. The God of this world has blinded the minds of men lest they would see the glory of God and be saved. Can you say amen? And we carry that glory in these earthen vessels. But who would know it if we blend when we get out of His presence? And one of the reasons of getting in His presence is so we can come out of His presence. And that glory, I, 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 I know that man didn't see anything over me, but he sensed something that I didn't manufacture. But it's something that came in order to minister the Word under the anointing. It's something that the world cannot explain, but they sense it. I remember I led a man, my first soul that I ever led to the Lord was not a, a heathen that's, that's out in the world living a pagan lifestyle. It was a man who goes to church every Sunday, who had been baptized in water, raised in church. He was the first convert to Christ. Raised in church, but didn't know Jesus. Went to Sunday school department, came up through the... Didn't know Jesus. 
I didn't say a word to him. But I came in after a Sunday night service. I came in late so I could be in church on Sunday night. Because I told my boss man, I'm a new Christian. It didn't matter nothing to him. He was an alcoholic. He gave us bins of dream, bought them for us from the truck driver so we would pull big peace counts. And, uh, and he drank on the job. Last time I saw him, I was pastoring the church. And he was putting up stock at Toys R Us. He thought he was going to go up with the company and be a company man. But the devil deceived him. And he had no regard for my faith or my testimony. I said, I'm going to be coming in a couple of hours late because I attend service on Sunday night. Amen. <laughs> he just didn't like that. Oh, he didn't like that. He wanted to let me go, but I was pulling so much, selecting so well. They had me train every new person that came in. And I wasn't on Benzedrine anymore. Amen. It was the joy of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But I came in after an anointed Sunday night service. And that residue, I didn't know anything about all of that. Just being exposed to the anointing in the church I went. I came in after the Sunday night service. They were all on break. I walked up, got on my uniform. <laughs> I walked up on that Winn-Dixie uh, uh, loading dock behind the Funland Theater at the time. And I walked up on that dock. And I'm just standing there waiting for them to get done with their break in the break room. And a man is staring at me from the break room. He's just staring me down. And I thought, what? You know, it just it makes you check yourself out when people stare at you like that. Amen. So he come outside. He said, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. I need to talk to you. I said, well, Larry, what, what, what's wrong? He said, when you come in tonight, I saw something. And I thought, what? 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 I'm a new Christian. I just come from church. But he sensed something. There's a something that is a someone that indwells you and me. Holy Ghost is not just so you can say, come tie my bow tie over and over. Can you say amen? It's the presence of God indwelling us Hallelujah. You don't receive power when He comes upon you. Amen. You receive a person who comes within you. Say that with me. It's not just power that comes on me. It's a person who comes within me. And the reason we practice and, and, and prize and seek holiness is because our vessels have become the earthly container for the presence of a holy God. Be ye holy, because I'm holy. It's not self-righteousness. It's saying, I am not like the world about me. There's a difference here. Hallelujah. God lives in me. Christ lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I'm not going to take Him to the bar. I used to come here, frequent the bars. I didn't challenge him. God did. He dropped us like a hot potato. Because he would come in here after frequenting the bars and feel convicted on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. He's supposed to. That's how it's supposed to work. If you were out partying Saturday night, one guy come in here and I quoted a country music song about liquor 
leading you into doing things that will get you into such trouble. And it was a song about Jose Cuero, a brand of tequila. Did I get into a fight? Did I dance on the table? Did I kick out the light? If you don't remember what you did last night, you better go check your car and see if there's blood on the bumper and it's mashed in and the news is flashing there's been a hit and run somebody's life is taken because of that and somebody's life is ruined there's two victims when that occurs and that's the person driving under the influence so when people ask me about liquor i don't ask no quarter and i don't give any There's too many alternatives that won't lead someone to sin. My son became an alcoholic because of a Christian band that told him it was okay to drink with them. And he did. They didn't get hooked. But the hook got in him and it sunk deep. Young men where I worked would meet with me in the parking lot to talk about God, and I'd call my wife and tell her I'm going to be late getting home. I'm standing in the parking lot preaching, teaching, sharing Christ. Most of them wanted to know how far can I push the envelope and still be saved? What can I do and still be saved? And I would tell them this story over and over when asked that. And this is supposed to be a true story on top of a mountain. There was a man had his mansion built. He had a great wall around it. He had those gates that kept people out. He was a very private person, but he had a daughter that he loved with all of his heart. She's seven years old. She's going down the mountain to school, to a private school, but you had to get down the mountain out of that compound and out of that mansion gates where he couldn't take care of her. He put an ad in the paper for someone to drive this very expensive limousine of his with all of the equipment to navigate that road down that mountain perfectly. And he had people coming, interviewing for a job. Their only job was to take his daughter down that mountain and wait till she got out of school and bring her safely home. He interviewed a professional bus driver for then Greyhound. And he said, I drive all over the country. I have driven for thousands of miles without an incident or an accident. Every year I get the good, safe driver award from my company. And he said, well, how, how, how close could you get to the edge of this narrow road and still feel safe? He said, sir, I'm such a good driver. I could get within two feet of the edge of that road and never put your daughter in jeopardy. He said, thank you. I'll be getting back with you. The next man that showed up was a professional race car driver. I've driven these high-powered cars around this course at way over 150 miles an hour and never, ever have I caused or had an accident attributed to me. And he said, well, how close do you think you could get to the edge of the road and and drive, still be driving safely coming down this mountain? There's a drop-off over the edge. He said, I could get within six inches 
because I'm a precision driver. He said, thanks. I will be in touch with you. A man comes in and he says, sir, what is your background? He said, I have raised two daughters. And I've kept them safe. Everywhere I took them, I was aware of their safety and not just my time limit to get them where they need to be. I never speeded up to make an appointment at their expense. He said, well, let me ask you a question. How close do you think you could get to the edge of this winding road and still keep my daughter safe? He said, sir, I wouldn't even get near the edge. I would hug the mountain all the way down. He said, sir, I don't need to get back with you. You've got the job. You are hired. Can you say amen? There's too many Christians wanting some preacher to tell them how far because of grace that they can push the envelope God is looking for people that realize the day that we're living and say I'm not going to push the envelope I'm not going to put myself in jeopardy to temptation I'm not going to put your name amen in jeopardy of being discredited I serve a mighty God I represent a mighty king it may not be called sin but it is in the way of me representing you and I want it out of the way for your name's sake. Lead me in a path of righteousness for your name's sake. Not for my reputation, but for yours. Can you say amen? I want to win this battle. I want our marriage to work until one of us is dead. I want to be an example to a church that doesn't know how victory works. There is victory in Jesus. You can overcome. You can live for God. You can defeat the devil. You can be delivered. You can be set free. Hallelujah. You can be healed. Yes, you can. Because the Word says it, yes, and because it's operating. Hallelujah. I don't know if you know, but I want to take you deeper. I want to get deeper. I want you to dig deep and lay your foundation on a rock. Because if you do, the wind will come. The rain will come. The flood tides will come. But when it's all said and done, you'll still be standing because you will be committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You will have the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And He will lead you in a path of righteousness for His own name's sake. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. We're here to be a witness to the world, not to become more like it. Hallelujah. This Jesus, this Savior, unto us a child is born. He's worthy of more than a Sunday morning commitment. He's worthy of us denying ourselves, 
taking up our cross and following. How many believe he's worthy of that today? Let me tell you who he was quickly before we leave. If I can find my glasses. Did someone hide them so I will quit? Thank you. How many believe I could finish without them? How many believe it would take a little longer? I'll put them on. What a merciful pastor you have. I would tell them, stay away from it. There's too many alternatives. You don't need to get high to have fun. You don't need to put yourself in jeopardy. You don't need to let down your guard. You don't need anything that alters your consciousness. Can you say, man, you need to be clear. You need to have clarity if you're going to follow Jesus. Can you say, man, hallelujah, praise God. For unto us a child is born. Let me make these statements that I pinned just before I came to church. The Lord Jesus is the earthly child of the heavenly Father. But he's also the heavenly child of an earthly mother. This is the mystery and the majesty of his birth. Let me say that again. I tell you, Holy Ghost must have been on me because this is is better than anything I could think up. How many will agree that the Lord Jesus is the earthly child of the heavenly Father? But he's also the heavenly child of an earthly mother. Fully man, a child is born. And yet fully God, a son is given. Jesus was the son of God before he was the son of Mary. Say that with me. Jesus was the son of God before he was the son of Mary. When we think of Jesus Do not just think of the birth of a miracle child in Bethlehem as the starting point. But go back to eternity past. You will find there never was a time. Not just in human history, but all eternity. Where Jesus was not. John 1 and verse 1. I love it. And then the 14th verse. Listen. In the beginning was the Word. That's not the beginning of eternity, but the beginning of the creation of the world. Listen, in, that's not when he became, that's when he already existed. You will find him in creation because God said, let us, plural, create man in our plural image. Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. All things were made by, wait a minute, now the Word is becoming personified. Did you hear me? God is not just speaking, there's someone working. It's not just the Holy Spirit. He's brooding over the earth. He's already waiting for the Word to tell Him what to do. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. All things were made by Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And verse 14 says, And the Word that we're talking about here became flesh and dwelt among us. When did that occur? It occurred 
when a baby was formed in the womb of a virgin called Mary. And when he was born in Bethlehem. The word that was with God from the beginning. Without him there was nothing made that was made. Became flesh. God incarnate. Hence thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. This is incredibly wonderful to me. Hallelujah. Micah 5 and verse 2 says, But thou, Bethlehem, you'll see in the King James, Ephrata, it means Judah. It is an ancient name for Judah. Originally, Bethlehem was always associated with Judah. Out of thee shall he come, whose goings were from Bethlehem forward? No. Whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting, literally translated from eternity. You didn't show up in Bethlehem. That wasn't your beginning. That baby that showed up was from everlasting. Isn't that incredible God with us? The second person of the Godhead with us in Him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead in a physical human body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to say something I said on the radio broadcast. Highly controversial in this day of false teachings and false doctrines. I get turned wrong with everybody. Amen. People that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in our day, don't believe in miracles, they don't like my teaching. They don't like me for teaching it. Well, the feeling is mutual. I love them in the Lord. I just don't like what they're teaching. This teaching of Jesus being the first born-again man, you know, to be born again, he would have had to have sinned. And that teaching's out there, and tens of thousands of Americans are following it. That he had to be born again in hell. That's when he received his divinity. No, no. Jesus was divine when he was born. He was divine in the cradle. He was divine on the cross. He never sinned. But he was treated as a sinner. He offered holy blood. If he had to be born again in hell, the blood he offered was sin-tainted. If it was sin-tainted, he couldn't have rose from the dead. We would be yet in our sins. There would be no resurrection and no salvation. Honey, we got to watch what we hear. Take heed how you hear and take heed what ye hear. Jesus didn't need to be born again. He never sinned. That's why his blood sacrifice was pure enough. For God to accept in our behalf. But thou Bethlehem, Judah, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall he come whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. I like the song by, by one, uh, one lady. She's not with us anymore. But she wrote the song that said his steps did not begin at Bethlehem. And they did not end at Calvary. Can you say amen? He's the Alpha and He is the Omega. He said something got Him in trouble. No wonder it gets me in trouble. <laughs> Hallelujah with theologians that are trying to take away the divinity of Jesus Himself. And you'd be amazed how many liberal Bible colleges do not believe in the virgin birth or the resurrection. <sighs> That's why we got to dig deep. Because this is the day of the shaking. And everything that can be shaken, it's going to be shaken. 
so that that which cannot be shaken might remain. God said that this is a negative time, but something powerful and positive is going to result of it because a truth is going to rise out of all of this deception. A true church is going to stand up in white garments, hallelujah, in the midst of all of this pollution and perversion. Hallelujah. Thus, I said a true church is going to rise up. Amen. Arise. This is our our greatest hour. In the darkest hour is our greatest hour to be a witness for Jesus. When we left home, the porch light was on. Nobody cares except Tampa Electric. They go by and see a porch light on in the daylight and say, Woo! Ka-ching, ka-ching. Porch light was on when we left. I saw it burning. And I thought, nobody will ever notice that porch light. All day long it'll burn and there won't be one person notice that it's on. But around midnight tonight, around 6 o'clock when the sun goes down, it gets dark. Amen. Anyone passing by is going to notice that light shining. See, the darkness don't put out the light. It enhances it. Oh, if you live for God in this generation, you're going to be like a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. You won't have to honk your horn to be a lighthouse. You won't have to clang your bell. Light will identify you. Can you say, man, I said the light of the glory of God will identify you. Some people will run from you. But according to Isaiah, some are going to come to you. Hallelujah. Their message was to rise up. Another verse of Scripture said, Arise, shake thyself from the dust. Cast away your chains. All of that bondage that's in the church of Jesus today. Cast away your chains. O captive daughter of Zion. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Arise from the dust of defeat and cast away the chains of bondage. Oh, captive daughter of Zion. Arise when the gross darkness covers the darkness, the earth and gross darkness, deep darkness. The people arise and shine for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee and shall be seen or sensed upon thee. And it said they will lay hold of the coat of him that is a Jew in that day. And say, show us where and how to worship God. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. I was sanctifying my food the other day. How do you do that? You pray over it before you eat it. So I was busy sanctifying my food. Can you sanctify food? The Bible said all things are be received when sanctified by the word and prayer. Well, the word that sanctifies you can sanctify food if it's applied to it. I apply the word of God. I said, Lord, let this, let this food be health to my navel and marrow to my bone. When, when your mama went in the hospital, 
I, I put a little bottle of anointing oil in my pocket when I went up there. And I got up there and we started talking about the anointing. And I said, you know, speaking of the anointing, now I pulled out a bottle of anointing oil, a little bottle I carry, not a big bottle, you know, just a little bottle of olive oil. It could be motor oil, just not a... <laughs> well, I prefer olive oil because it, you know, it's more biblical and it's cleaner and it's nicer. But Jimmy Swagger, before he had his problems, when he was highly anointed, touching the world for Jesus, he said, I had a clunker of a car. He said, that thing wouldn't run long. It'd get hot and quit. On my way to a revival service, broke down by the road, didn't have AAA and no money in my pocket, hoping to get enough money to get the next revival from the one I was going to. <laughs> he said, that thing broke down. And I said, we got to get there, honey. we got to get there. He said, I went out. I pulled my dipstick out of the texture oil. I got some oil on my finger, and I put it on the hood of my car. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, supernaturally help us get there. This old car can't do no more. It can't roll no more, and I got the money to have it hauled in or fixed. But, Lord, I need to get to that meeting. He said, that car cranked up, took him to the meeting. said, after the meeting, it never run another. St- <laughs> it, never, it never run a, another, another step forward. But I pulled out the anointing oil, and I anointed her with oil in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. For the, the Bible said, if there be any sick, let them call. Let them call. Let them call. They have a covenant. They have a right. Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham... Oh, come on, church. Ought not this woman being a what? Just a, just a, a, just a, a church-going woman. No, she has a lineage. And it goes back to a man with a covenant with God. We have a lineage. Then it goes back to a man who's brought us a blood covenant with God Almighty. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many of the household of faith? Galatians 4 said they that are of the household of faith, are Abraham's seed. Oh, Brother Venable, I'm not a Jew. Well, goody, goody for you. You better get used to being one. Not physically, but spiritually. Because the Bible said everything is changed in the New Covenant. He is a true Jew that doesn't just have a bloodline to Abraham but a bloodline through Christ to the blessing of Abraham. That was just my own praise for that. Hallelujah. You don't have to worship with me. That's okay. I'm digging deep because the shaking is here and there's a whole lot of shaking going on and it's shaking the whole people loose. People are being shook loose from their right to receive healing. Shook loose loose from their right to receive deliverance. They don't know their rights and privileges and they can't claim them. You can't claim what you don't know is yours. And you won't. And the devil fears that you will. And represent a glorious kingdom. And a glorious God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. God is so good today. Let me read one more scripture before we close. 
Before Jesus was the son of God, he was the son of Mary. Before he was the son of Mary, he was the son of God. He's from everlasting. In fact, the book book of Revelation says that he is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, he was already destined to be a sacrifice for man's potential possible sinfulness. He was not an afterthought after the fall. God knew if he gives you a sovereign will, you can make the wrong choice. And if you do, you're going to need a Savior. Because you can't save yourself after you do. And he has prepared at the foundation of the world. You know what that means? Before he put man on this planet, when he prepared the planet for the man first. Come on, the earth was created before man. His habitat said if he makes the wrong choice he's going to need a savior and I'm already made a provision in my heart and my future plan the God who's seen the end from the beginning prepared a lamb for you in the event that we needed it and we need it and he's our sacrifice lamb Slain from the foundation of the world. Listen to this last scripture in First Peter. It's a beautiful oh Revelation thirteen eight. Listen, all who dwell on the earth shall worship him, the Antichrist, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before 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 the foundation of the world. Jesus didn't become the lamb on the cross. He was born the lamb in the cradle. That's why they brought him myrrh as one of the gifts. Both king and sacrifice lamb. First Peter 1, listen to it as we close. For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ... As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Who verily, we don't usually read here, but this is important. You get this. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And was manifest in these last times for you. What God had ordained before the foundation of the world showed up. 2,100 years ago on Christmas morning. Hallelujah. Amen. So when I look at that baby, I see God's person and God's plan and God's power and God's love for you and for me. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Can you say man? Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Praise God. Will you stand to your feet today? What would happen? Hallelujah. If Christians all over America and all over the world would begin to pray a prayer of repentance. 
Open the door wide to that message and receive it from the messenger who is none other than Christ himself. Amen. I represent him. I represent him. This is not my message. This is the word of God. Hallelujah. What would happen? If Christians all over America, all over the world, in this room, and people that are out serving the devil and their self today, that used to serve God, would pray, wash me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Then, and only then, sinners will be converted unto thee, and transgressors will learn thy ways. We can demonstrate our faith. We can exemplify our faith. Hallelujah. Our light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Come within us and shall be seen and shall be sensed. That's why the Bible said you might be out in your daily public responsibilities. Be instant in season, out of season, and be ready because of this manifest presence in your life to give an answer to all men for the reason of the hope that is within you. Hallelujah. Because someone is going to come to you. They're going to be drawn to you. And they're not going to be wanting to know, what is that perfume you're wearing? What is that aftershave? They're going to say, there's something about you. I need to speak to you. Larry Messenger, church-going man, family man, baptized in water, told he was saved, realized he was lost, had no blessed assurance. You get in the presence of God, you'll find out if you're saved or not. The real presence of God will either convict you or convince you. <laughs> Amen, but it won't leave you neutral. God wants you to know. Hallelujah. He said, I've got to talk to you. He said, can you come to dinner at my house tomorrow night? And I said, we sure can. Go back in that day and invent invitation. <laughs> we, we was po from the flow up. Amen. We, you offer us a free meal, we'll be there. Because they generally had more to eat than we had at home. God changed that. Thank the Lord. But we showed up at his house. We ate dinner while my wife was talking with his wife. He said, I need to speak to you alone. We went into his master bedroom. He sat down on the side of the bed and I stood beside him. He said, when you walked up on that dock, I felt something and I saw something that I don't have. I said, what did you see? He said, it's not so much what I saw, but what I sensed. I sensed that you were saved and I wasn't. And I need to be saved. And then the tears, God had beat me to him. Tears were streaming down his cheeks and dripping. He said, I want to get saved. And I said, Larry, you can get saved right here, right now. God is calling you now. And this is a guy in church, been baptized in water, perfectly comfortable in the practice of his religion. But he wasn't saved. And the countering the presence of God convicted him. 
Ah, but experiencing the presence of God after he prayed convinced him. His spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Nobody talked you into it, so nobody can talk you out of it. Can you say, man, hallelujah. Woo! I feel like shouting again today. My first soul was won by me just reflecting the glory of that service. Without even trying. (laughs) Thinking Malachi was Malachi and Job was Job. And yet a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. Praise God. And Larry got saved. Praise the Lord. He He had a son. Who had a had a, a, a an emotional and mental problem? Asked me to pray with him for his son. Asked others to pray at his church for his son. He got really saved. Believe God could do anything. <laughs> Hallelujah! He said that ain't going to hold him back. He graduated with high honors from Southeastern Bible College. Praise God! And they said he couldn't make it past the second grade. Isn't God good today? Hallelujah! Glory to God! Amen and amen and amen and amen. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, out of thee shall he come shall be ruler in Israel. And the government, all the power, all the authority, not like our government, thank God, shall be upon His shoulders. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, whose goings are from everlasting. He bowled them over. He said, before Moses was... I am. Not I was. There's no beginning. There's no end. Alpha and Omega. First and last. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. 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 How many want a personal spiritual awakening this season? And not let it become the commercialized disappointing thing that it can become but a time of focusing on Jesus and digging deep and laying your foundation on a rock. I heard someone the other day, i got to say this, I'm sorry for keeping you, but i got to hold you when i got your attention because the world's going to go after it when you walk out that door. Every waking moment between our responsibilities and our distractions, there's hardly time for our devotions. But I want you to get this today. A preacher talking about Peter being the rock on which the church was built. And I thought, no, no, no. He couldn't be built on vacillating. Peter got right, but he went wrong before he got right. The church is never built on a person other than the person of Jesus Christ. So here's how that scripture should read, and here's how it was misread. Peter, who do men say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Yes, and thou art Peter, and flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father only. The revelation of Jesus is a spiritual revelation, not just correct theology believed and given mental assent to. And and thou art Peter. Oh, by the way, when he said Peter, he used the word Petrus, which means pebble. You are a pebble. But upon this Petra 
rock. Not Peter. Oh, but the revelation of Jesus by the Spirit of God. Can you say, man, <laughs> hallelujah, I will build my church. I said, dig deep, church. And the gates of hell, the gates of hell, the gates of hell itself shall never prevail against it. There's a church that's going to come through this thing unscathed, clothed in righteous robes, ready for the coming of Jesus, living for God in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation is still shining brightly. Can you say, man, somebody give him a hand clap. You are not just giant slayers. You are city takers, saith God. You are army defeaters. You are children of God, warriors of God. Oh, yea, you are mighty men and women of valor. And you are in the kingdom for this time, saith God. Dig deep. Lay your foundation on a rock that cannot be shaken. And you will not be moved, saith God, even in this day. And I will use you, saith God. I will use you. I will use you and cause your light to shine brightly, brilliantly. Yanda na marosha la basi, yende na baroka la basi, ti yanda na basanda na ma eloi, yisho la marasha la barianda, yisho la baroshianda, o koloboru, yisho la manite. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know what to do and I'm rarely at a loss. I know what not to do and that's rush out to the mall. I know what not to do, and that's rush out to the movie. I know what not to do, and that's rush out to the restaurant. Not in a presence calling us to what God is calling us to and what God is calling us for. I'm digging deep. I'm digging deeper than I've ever dug in the Word of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I want my foundation. You don't get it if you don't dig deep. Can you say, man, you've got to dig deeper than the normal Sunday morning service if you're going to stand in this last day. Because status quo won't cut it anymore. It's going to take a deeper devotion than the average Christian that's walking out of the church doors on Sunday morning. Can you say, man, it's going to take a deeper dedication than the average Christian. Oh, thank God He's not called us to be average status quo Christians, nominal Christians. Christians, He's called us to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Can you say, man? Glory to the Lamb. Did I hand you any? I, I don't know how, I don't know whether I'm supposed to or not. I'm always super sensitive now because I've got a reputation for being long-winded. I've earned it. I've earned it. I've earned it. I've earned it. I don't have a sermonette for Christianettes that want to stay in a spiritual bassinet. The bottle is out the window. The bottle is out the window. There will be no miracles in that church. Mark my words. Amen. There will be no supernatural presence of God in that church. The choir will sing good. The preacher will preach good. The programs will entertain you. But there will be no presence of God. Mark it down. 
And I don't know what the presence of God is worth to you. But if everybody leaves here. And two or three of us come. And the presence of God shows up. I'm in church on Sunday morning. Can you say man? That presence don't come because of a head count. That presence comes because of seeking hungry hearts. Hallelujah. That want to serve Him. I just want to praise Him in one more Christmas song. Glory to God. My son is with the Lord this Christmas. I was reading where David had a son. And he was just an infant. He didn't get through 53 years of life with him. Just to just a very short time when he was taken because of David's own sin there was a punishment exacted but David knew the grace of God and the restoration of God and at first he wept and cried in his personal repentance and and his grief over the loss of his son but then David dried his tears and the people around him said, oh, what, what's going on here? He, he, he only grieved a little while and now he's, he's looking Peaceful and he's looking joyful. What, what's going on here? And he detected that they did not get it. They didn't understand. Amen. He knew there's a resurrection coming. And I'm restored to a right standing with God. And one of these days when that resurrection occurs, my, son, my child is going to be raised. And I'm going to be raised. He can't come to me right now. But I shall go to him. Oh, some scholars say, well, that meant he's going to the grave too. No, darling. You don't dry your tears and start rejoicing because you look in a grave. Can you say, man, and look at death as an end? You've got to look past death and see the resurrection. And David saw it and rejoiced. Hallelujah. I shall go to Him. I shall go to Him. Let's give God praise one more time. The Holy Spirit is the fire starter. He has started a fire this morning in thee, my people. A fire that is in danger of going out through neglect. Neglect not the gift that is within you, saith the Spirit. Yea, rather, fan into flame. <laughs> oh, my Father, I will blow upon the embers of your heart if you will open your heart to me. You will hear the sound of a mighty wind when I blow upon those embers and a flame shall come forth once again, the fiery flame of the first love, saith the Spirit of God.